I really thank God and the leadership of the church for the opportunity to come and share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ with you. And I really uh, thank God for Pastor Joseph. He's been a dear brother to me, and I cherish my friendship with him. Uh, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to First Peter chapter 2. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 12. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. The, the title of my message is God's Project. God's Project. And as we are going to be looking at the sermon, we will reflect on it in relation to the whole theme of missions. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. Listen to what the Word of God says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying as I, I'm, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I age you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Yeah. That ain't the reading of God's word. Let's, let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come before you as a church to worship you, and to hear you speak unto our lives. And so, Lord, we ask right now that may you bless the preaching of your word and may it bear fruit in our hearts by the working of the Holy Spirit so that we may be complete, equipped for every good work to the glory of your name. Amen. Imagine the 
suffering Christians in places like China or North Korea, being persecuted for the sake of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think about them for a moment and imagine that you want to offer them words of encouragement. You want to exhort them to continue putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of a letter would you write to them? How would you frame your words? And I just think about our fellow brothers and sisters currently being persecuted for their faith in places like Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Iran, etc. And you want to offer them words of encouragement. What could you possibly say to exalt their hearts, to press on in the Lord Jesus Christ and not to lose heart? I post the question because that's the very reason why Peter writes his letter. You know, he is writing to encourage persecuted Christians. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1 that he is writing to exiles, a people who are not home, a people who are far from their birthplace, a people being persecuted for their sake of trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he writes to them so that they may praise on in their faith in God to continue believing in him and to continue proclaiming his name among the nations. And the message certainly applies even to us today. We too are exiles. This world is not our home. We are on a journey. Heaven is where we belong. And so the message rightly applies to you and me even today. And even if we might just look at our current situation, dare preach what the word of God says about marriage, that it is between one man and woman. Dare preach about what the word of God says about gender. That he created them in his own image, male and female. Uphold the truth of God's word and observe how the world reacts. You will be what? Counseled, right? You know, we have the so-called counsel culture in our society. And I should confess, I'm still trying to comprehend what really counsel culture is. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, the situation might vary. But at the end of the day, all believers, regardless of their geographical position, regardless of their current situation, regardless of the social political times that they are in, all believers at the end of the day, they have one thing in common. They are sojourners in this world. And such being the case, we all need the encouragement from God's word to continue to praise horn, to uphold the truth of the gospel and to proclaim his name among the nations. And in the passage we've read this morning, Peter exhorts his readers by reminding them 
that they are God's project. God is up to something amidst them, and in view of God's enterprise, Peter encourages his audience to continue trusting God in their suffering and to live out to the glory of his name. And so the question might be asked, what, what, what is this project? What's God doing? God is in the business of building a holy church. He's building a spiritual house, a dwelling place among his people. Read with me again verses 4 and verse number 5. Verse number 4, the word of God says this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God is in the business of building a holy church. As you come to him, what does that mean? As you come to him. I mean, Peter is writing to a people who are believers. If we had the time to read the first chapter, we get the idea that, yes, they are born again, born of an imperishable seed. This is what the Apostle Peter is saying. Yes, you are saved. Yes, our names are written in the book of life. Yes, we are born again. But as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we desire to commune with him, that dear here is ongoing fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he's writing to a group of brothers and sisters in the Lord, the idea essentially has to do with corporate worship, like how we all gathered in the sanctuary this morning. As we come to worship God corporately, as we desire and long for the Lord Jesus Christ, to commune with him, the word of God says this. He is building a holy church among us. He's working within the people of God. He's building a spiritual house. He's raising up a holy people. He's making a dwelling place among us. What God is saying to us through the Pastor Peter is that through our union and communion with Christ, God is transforming us by the work of the Holy Spirit into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is making us holy. He is sanctifying us and making in our hearts, in the church, his dwelling place. It is through our union with Christ that we get to enjoy and experience all the promises and the benefits of God. Why? Because in Christ, God's project, all his works, find its fulfillment. Verse 4 describes Jesus as the living stone. If I ask us this morning, mention one characteristic of a stone very likely many of us would say a stone is non-living, right? A stone is dead. 
It doesn't move. But the imagery that the Bible uses for our Lord Jesus Christ, he is a stone, but not a dead stone. He is the living stone. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ is our refuge and strength. He is our firm foundation. In verse 5, the living stone is also described as the cornerstone. Rather, verse 6, he is the, co the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith, the foundation of us as believers. And interestingly, verse 5, did you notice, we are also being described as living stones. Like we believers are living stones, what does that mean? Does that mean that we are self-sufficient? Does that mean that we are safe in our service? Absolutely not. The idea has to do with this very fact that we derive our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ as the cornerstone is the foundation of our faith. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ will certainly be realized. And Christ, being the ultimate temple, right? John chapter 1, verse number 1, what does the Word of God say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if we go downwards, verse number 14, it says, and the Word dwelled amongst us. I love how the KJV puts it, the old English, and the word tabernacled among us. And so Christ being the ultimate temple, verse number five, we resemble him in a way. We are the dwelling place of God, and he is in the business of building a spiritual house, making his dwelling among the church of God. I mean, how mind-blowing is that? That God actually dwells among us. Christ is built in his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Truthfully, sometimes we get discouraged and we might ask are we are we really making progress as a church and i don't know about you but there are times when sunday comes i'm like oh man should i really go to church or just entirely skip church i mean what's the point of going to church are we really making any progress is there something actually happening in our congregation and God is encouraging us this morning that, yeah, absolutely, God is working. God is building a holy people within his church, a holy house. God is making his presence in our congregation.
And secondly, Peter exhorts his readers by reminding them the identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number nine, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is not only working in us. God is not sanctifying us only. But in addition to that, guess what? God has worked in us. He has justified us. We are no longer guilty of our sin. He has given us a new name. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Once we were not a people, you and me, there was a time we were so far removed from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we have received God's mercy. We belong to a God. He has given us a name. He chose us for himself. We are a chosen race. He actually chose us. Chose us. In John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus Christ says to the disciples, you did not choose me, I chose you. God chose you and me. And we have a father. We are the children of the promise. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's our identity. God has worked in us. God is working in us. Praise be his holy name. If you do a random Google search of qualities or characteristics of a good project, so, so, so many traits or characteristics will pop up. And one of the characteristics that might pop up on a Google search is this. A good project ought to have an aim. A purpose. And so we do very much right this morning to ask, well, what's the purpose of God building a holy house among us, making his dwelling among the people of God? Well, what's the purpose? What's the aim? We find such a purpose in verse number five and verse number nine. This is what the Word of God says in verse 5. You yourselves, like the living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be holy priesthood. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? What's the purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
God is not just working for nothing. God has not worked in our hearts in the church, justified us for nothing. There is a goal. There is a purpose attached to such. And summarizing verses 5 and 9, we might rightly say the purpose of God's finished work and the purpose of God's ongoing work in the church is so that we might worship Him. Brothers and sisters, we have been redeemed to render worship unto our God. To offer a spiritual sacrifice of praise to God. And isn't it humbling to know that He actually accepts our worship? Like God accepts our worship. He's pleased with our offering of praise. Come to think of that. When we come every Sunday morning and we worship Him, the Bible says God accepts that. He's pleased with that. He is pleased when we give our money to the church to advance the cause of missions. He accepts that. He's pleased when we do acts of charity and mercy in our community. God accepts our worship. He's pleased with that. And knowing that many times we fall into the temptation of making our lives the standard, so much that maybe we try so hard to be accepted by God, or maybe we just feel like, well, there's nothing that I can do. God reminds us that, well, wait a minute, I actually accept your offering of praise based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, God is building a holy house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel like, well, I think I'm not doing enough before God, and then you beat yourself up, you try maybe to put up an act. God says, well, no, run to the Lord Jesus Christ, the corner." the cornerstone, the foundation of your faith. I accept your sacrifice of praise based on his finished work on the cross. Grace. Amazing grace. He accepts our worship because of Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith. How is this related to our theme of missions? Here's the connection. Our worship of God, our spiritual offering of praise happens not only within the confinement of church walls. It also happens before the world. The worship of God happens not only within the confinement of a church building, or it not only happens when the people of God gather to worship the Lord, it also happens before the world. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 3, the Word of God says this, 
all sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Verse number three, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. The worship of God happens before God, but also the worship of God not only happens when the people of God meet in the confinement of a church wall or building, it also happens before the world. We declare his praises even to the world. The heart of missions, brothers and sisters, is a heart of worship unto God. It flows from a church, it flows from a heart that knows God has worked in me and God is working in me. He has justified, he is sanctifying, therefore I ought to proclaim his excellencies. Have you ever felt like, well, I don't think I have a story to tell the world? This passage reminds us, actually, we have a story to tell. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. We have a testimony to share. He's working in our hearts, making us holy, transforming us by the wake of the Holy Spirit to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have something to praise God for before a dying world. The worship of God is the heart of missions. It flows from a heart that has come to the realization that God has worked and God is working. And so the proclamation that we find in verse number 9, proclaiming His excellencies, adoring Him for who He is and praising Him for His mighty works, this truth has an implication before the world and how we conduct ourselves. Worship affects our conduct before non-believers, and it is not surprising that in verses 11 and 12, Peter exalts his readers to watch their life. Verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. What is Peter saying? Peter saying this, Beloved, I urge you, remember you are sojourners. This world is not your home. You do not belong here. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, I beseech you, in view of your true identity, in view of what God has done for you, in view of what God is doing, conduct yourself in a manner that's honorable, before a dying world. Abstain from the passions of the flesh. Stay away from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Yes, you've been saved. Yes, we have been redeemed. But the truth is there's an indwelling battle with sin 
in the hearts of believers. And Peter's saying, in view of that God has justified you, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, wage war against those sinful desires because they have faked your testimony before a dying world. Do not engage with such. Otherwise, your public testimony will be ruined. Keep your conduct among non-believers honorable. Watch your life. Watch how you talk Watch how you act at your workplace, at school. Because the world, guess what? They are observing. They watch us. Sometimes it appears as if the world is not watching our states when until a Christian does a scandalous act. That's when you know, like, whoa, wait a minute. We've been watched. They watch us when, 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 when someone offends us, how do we react? The world is watching. How are we going to retaliate? Are we going to be merciful and gracious? Or are we going to throw a few curse words? So it says, watch your life. Live in an honorable manner. In order that when they speak against you as evildoers, the reality is we will be insulted. They will call us demeaning names for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will say, you are the wicked one. You are an evildoer. But the weight of God encourages us to keep on worshiping God. For they are noticing your good works in one way or the other. And there's actually hope in the day of visitation when the Lord Jesus Christ reappears. The Word of God tells us some of them will actually glorify God. There is hope that when they watch through the testimony of our lives, through the proclamation of our lips, and through the proclamation of our lives to the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, some will actually Put their faith in God. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. Like, like really? <laughs> God using our praise to Him? The proclamation of the gospel? Amen. People just observing how we live? And then somehow, some will glorify God on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Like, how Mind-blowing is that. But this is actually twofold. We know that when the Lord Jesus Christ, some will actually be condemned, right? Some will not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? Our task, our role is simply to proclaim is simply to testify about the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whether they believe or not, that's up unto God. Did you notice the sobering words that we encounter in verses 7 and 8? So the honor is for you who believe, 
But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has actually become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. What? <laughs> they stumble. The same Christ whose salvation to you and me, our Savior, the same Christ who offers us comfort, the same Christ is actually a judge to those who disobey him. John chapter 3, verse number 36, it says, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have eternal life, but those who disobey, the wrath of God remains on them. And Peter's saying, well, it's not up to you, it's not up to us to determine who will receive the Lord Jesus Christ, who will actually believe. God is sovereign over such. All we have to do is worship him, proclaim his excellences, adore him for who he is, adore him for his mighty words. Some will believe and some will not. That's up unto God. They disobey the word and they stumble. But actually, they stumble because they were destined for such. God is working in our church. May such encourage us to worship him. God has worked in us. May such encourages to proclaim his excellences before the world. And in view of that, watch your conduct before the dying world. For they are observing how we live. They are watching, paying close attention to our states. So watch your life. Fight sin. Actually, there is hope. Some may actually observe that and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through our proclamation, through our life. But if they don't, to them is judgment. The wrath of God remains on them. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are the self-sufficient God. You, you actually do not need any praises from your creatures. But it so pleased you through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ to redeem us so that we may worship you. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us that you accept our worship. You are pleased with our sacrifice, with our offering of praise unto you. Thank you for giving to the church and the proclamation of your gospel is not in vain. Thank you for when we Come and gather each and every Sunday, the Lord's Day, with fellow brothers and sisters. Thank you for such. It's not in vain. 
And thank you for reminding us that actually you're making a dwelling. You're taking bold within your church. You are actually amidst us. And you are actually living in our hearts as individual Christians. We are your temple as the church today. But Father, you have reminded us such is for a purpose that we might declare your glory and excellencies, that we might worship you even before a dying world. Grant us the grace to fight the sin that wages war against our souls. Help us to overcome through the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ those pardons of sin that distort the testimony of the living Christ. May we live lives that are honorable to you, to the glory of your name. It's not about us. When they see, they glorify you. If they don't glorify us, and it's okay because you deserve all the glory and all the honor. We pray for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.